Hello and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, poet and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. In this, our third year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. Hi folks and welcome back to Strength to be Human. I'm your host, poet and playwright Mark Anthony Rossi. Thank you for this little interlude I needed. Um, We're going to be on to episode 177. This one will be Dream as a Muse. Now I did a dream show early on in the program, you know, about 2019. We kind of went dream as possibly uh, a form of of, of artistic uh, therapy, and then of course where you might be able to get some things from it now and then, depending on you know your memory recall. Now we're going to go more into the artistic version of of dreaming, where you have people that that literally um, through a daydream, possibly when they're reflecting upon something, they'll take some notes, go back to work, or you know a time of, of rest, or maybe even a time of unrest, where you're unconscious thoughts become become dreams and in some cases even nightmares and even though the show is called dream as a muse i mean nightmares are still used and they still uh, provoke people to get creative or, or believe it or not even on a certain piece excuse me they they uh, become become something that can be uh, can be taken and 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 then driven in, in a piece to become a, a, an art that normally they wouldn't have had the idea before. Now, one of the first people that come to mind, and, and uh, people will probably find this kind of ironic, is Edgar Allan Poe. Now, when you think of him off the bat, you don't think, "Hey, here's a guy about dreams." But ironically, he wrote a number of things about dreams. He even wrote a, an essay, an opinion on dreams. And let's read a little bit of what he, what he had to say about that, okay? That dreams, or as they were generally called visions, were a means of supernatural instruction, if we believe the Bible at all. It's proved by Jacob's dream to several visions of Ezekiel and other prophets, also of the later date, the revelations of St. John. And there appears no reason why this mode of divine communication should be discontinued in the present day. So he had a great faith in them. Uh, it's obvious from a number of his uh, um, short stories that um, a lot of things that came to him probably came from bad dreams rather than good dreams. But, you know, I'm using dream here in this particular show for the metaphor because in the end, a bad dream is still a dream. You know, I just don't want to call dreams and nightmares. That sounds a little too cliche Now, when you think of somebody dealing with dreams or caring about dreams... Even writing about dreams, uh, Edgar Allan Poe is not normally the person that comes off the top of somebody's head. They're like, "What?" Because you know, you're thinking ravens, and you're thinking blood, and you're thinking of dead people, and all kinds of stuff. Because he's more dark, you know. But it doesn't mean that he wasn't involved. <coughs> excuse me, or cared about that because he did. Uh, he wrote a number of poems about dreams. He wrote the essay about dreams. 
one of his most uh, famous uh, lines was from one of his poems called Dream with a Dream. And I'll read that to you because uh, it's uh, not only I find uh, creative and, 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 and soothing, but I think in many ways, if you think about it, even somebody like Edgar Allan Poe, who had gone through a number of tragedies while he was still alive, yet was still productive, but often wrote more than not dark type of material, even he was searching for love. And a lot of his poems were about love or the women he loved and, and about dreams too. So, you know, it doesn't take much uh, for a person to, to hang on to that humanity and, and, and use art as a way to do so. And I definitely see Edgar Poe, uh, Edgar Allan Poe is one of those people that did that. No doubt about it. All right, here we go. All right, so it's the last two lines from Dream Within a Dream. And ironically, it's the one we remember the most, but they're, they're so incredible. Okay? All right, Edgar Allan Poe, Dream Within a Dream. Is all that we see or seem but a dream within a dream? It is an important question. Because oftentimes, when you're in this uh, dream state... Especially if you're in a point where you can actually recall some of these things. You know, it's difficult to separate reality from the dream. And that makes it that much uh, much more powerful. Now, I know, and a lot of people don't realize this, that uh, the dream itself uh, really affected many, many people uh, throughout history. It's not like just something... That's left for the occult world or for the astrological people or something. I mean, dreams were, were part of the written word. We know about a number of them in the Bible. Remember, Joseph had a number of dreams, you know, and uh, uh, the the Pharaoh took him seriously about it, and and they were able to save, you know, the whole city from from starvation once the famine came because they put aside some grain and all the instructions came from uh, you know from his uh, from his dream. So it's, they're not unusual to, to have. Um, if, if you recall too, uh, oftentimes the dream can be an important message. Uh, a good example was um, God uh, sending the angel in, in a dream to Joseph. Which, by the way, whether you believed in this, this sort of situation or not, it makes sense. I mean, quite frankly, if you're going to try to employ some guy to marry a woman who's pregnant back in those days when... That wasn't a, a a good idea. Boy, you better send a dream or angel or somebody because that's some serious stuff. And that's what that dream would lie. He said, listen, marry this woman. You know, she's never been with a man, but she is carrying my baby. I know. <laughs> but th that's literally what happened in that dream. So I'll tell you, if you couldn't have any more important dream than that. And that, that, that worked out for that couple, thank God. <laughs> All right, so... Let's read a little bit more about uh, about dreams, okay? Now, dreams are ultimately what they call a conceptual metaphor. Remember, we use metaphor in writing all the time. But dreams themselves are their own type of metaphor because they're in concepts. They're usually in some kind of image. There's something that's happening. Uh, it's, it's said by psychologists and, and scientists that dreams consolidate when you start resting and oftentimes, uh, they're, uh, 
the ways to, to say certain things to you that might be pressing that possibly while you're awake you're suppressing or putting to the side or not wanting to deal with and then once you let your guard down by sleeping it's coming out saying hey remember me and that's what that's what dreams do a lot of okay so dreams are the form of unconscious thought that makes use of the conceptual metaphor and that's what it is okay now dreams are a form of thought so they're not just you know some fuzzy reception you're getting because you know you hit a bad taco or something sometimes they're actually thoughts themselves all right and then of course dreams make use of the metaphor because thought is something that makes use of metaphor so in, in many ways just like you thought you couldn't tell the difference between uh, dreams and reality well guess what it's hard to tell the dreams between the metaphor the thought or the dream i mean so literally three different parts are almost all the same in in, in many instances um now freud he had a big big um i guess you can say crush on dreams all right according to uh, freud this is sigmund freud uh, the great psychologist psychoanalyst dreams are imagery of a wish or impulse from childhood that has been repressed this is why uh, Freud studied dreams to understand your unconscious mind. Okay? His take on it was that a lot of dreams reveal your repressed wishes to you. Now, I guess in the general sense, without having to go too deep in what he had to go with, um, you had something rough happen with you, uh, a point in the week, and you just don't feel like dealing with it emotionally or otherwise. You put it to the side and after a couple of days it might surface in your dreams. That's what he's talking about by the repression. I mean, he goes deeper in other instances. And, and quite frankly, nothing against Freud or any of you folks that like Freud. But, you know, this is also the guy that said that, you know, boys uh, secretly want to have sex with their mother. So um, we'll have to take what he had to say on a grain of salt on some of these things, okay? And I can promise you, uh, 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 under all points of God, that uh, that's never occurred to me. And I don't really know anybody else that it did. So I don't know if he was projecting some of his own problems or or what. But Freud is to be taken seriously mainly because he took dreams seriously and he did try to study them scientifically, uh, you know, in the turn of the century. So... You know, and of course, uh, you know, he's trying to find uh, social and psychological reasons, basically scientific reasons for dreams, where other, like Edgar and Poe had mentioned, other, before really formal science, other people felt that dreams were like um, a spiritual message, maybe from an angel or a demon or God or whatever, saints, sometimes dead people that you knew. So they had more of a spiritual element of it where he was trying to bring it more into a scientific element. I'm not discounting either one of them, but we're going to talk more about the scientific one of them on the show, okay? Now, dreaming can be about, uh, can be about someone that you're thinking about, all right? Uh, there used to be an old cliche, you know, if there's a dream coming about you, someone else is probably dreaming about you too. Well, they actually did a test, scientists on this, and... It, it passed the muster. They don't know if, if it's dreams are somehow activate our uh, inner psychic abilities or something. But they, they found more times than not, even when using the placebo method, that there was a higher percentage of people that were receiving uh, thoughts about another person who was dreaming about them. 
And it was just too hard to ignore as a coincidence. So, apparently that happens. And, of course, when that does happen, and it might actually happen to you if it hasn't happened already, that's when you have to make some choices, you know. I, I always tell people with a concern is dreams, you know, dreams might be a message and dreams might be thoughts. Well, those are all wonderful. But in the end, if you're deciding on using a dream for something, well, then dreams have to also make a decision or help you make a decision or you make the decision about the dream. Am I going to include this? Am I going to use this? Am I going to be part of it? I mean, all of that. It, those those decisions have to be made. Otherwise, it's just a, you know, a hazy mist of an image thing, and you know, you leave it at that, and that's fine. You could do that too. But hey, I found, at least in a couple of instances where, you know, dreams have helped me out, and and I, I wrote. Uh, I think I mentioned this in the past, but I'll mention it again because it definitely. Uh, bears worth mentioning. Um, I wrote a poem. It got published in a magazine in Taiwan uh, called Aerial Reconnaissance of the Melikani. Yeah, I know. That's that's a long, long poem uh, title for a, a pretty small poem, actually. And it was all based on I uh, was watching some history channel about Amelia Earhart disappearing and on a jungle island or something, and then soldiers are going to come get her, and I don't know, and then I, I passed out, so, you know, could be uh, Angelotta involved in there too, you never know, but uh, I, I woke up, and I came up with some of these ideas on this, in this poem, I wrote it, it's, it's probably my most, I would say, mysterious type of uh, poem, that's for sure, but uh, it, it's, it's got really good feedback, and I literally, uh, uh, putting out a book out that that has it and others that I'm going to use the same, you know, um, title because I just I just I really loved it and uh, but you know, for me and maybe it's different for other people but for me the uh, whole um, I got a poem from my dream is it, kind of rare. I really do. <laughs> I wish there was it was more common, but it's not. So. I'm happy, and maybe it'll never happen again. Fine, I'll live with that experience. I think that was pretty cool, you know, because I don't really think you can mimic some of these conditions when they happen. You know what I mean? You're laying on the couch, everybody's out uh, on the town, and your enchilada's feeling weird. You pass out, and next thing you know, you you got a dream. So, and maybe even a poem. <laughs> it's hard to really know, but I know that there's other people. <clears throat> it's happened to a lot more. Then, then, <clears throat> excuse me. Then one time with me. But what I want you to do when you consider that 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 does happen a lot to you is consider this, okay? The dreams that you might remember, that maybe even you jot some notes down, they are still notes, even if they came from your dreamlike state when you were sleeping, and they they wasn't some five-minute thing at McDonald's or something, or, you know, you, you rushed into the bathroom to write down something quickly at work so nobody will notice. You know, they're really no different than those notes because you still have to make decisions about what kind of meaning do they have, what kind of gravity do they have. Are they worth anything more than some non-dream notes you put down on your phone three days ago? So you have to consider all of that in mind. And the reason why I say that is you'll get the wrong impression because it is the wrong impression that everything you might remember from your dreams 
is now, you know, religiously precious. It's now the word of God. It's now deeply prophetical and everything is, is incredibly knowledgeable and full of wisdom. No. Okay? It could be a bad belly of spaghetti. Okay? Alright? Could be that, that wine cooler hits you the wrong way. Alright? That's right. Taco Bell could be becoming Taco Hell. So you have to also make sure that you rule in or out all of that as well. Because it's ridiculous, believe it or not, to write down notes from a dream and then you're over here trying to strive to the universe to figure out what the hell it means. You only yield so much of that. It could maybe bear no fruit at all. I was fortunate because it gave me a lot of the key phrases and words I needed for the poems. It was easy to put together. But it was pretty much handed to me. It wasn't like I was, you know, I, I never would have figured out that even the next morning, you know, this poem has some kind of metaphorical significance about, you know, being lost in the world and no one can find you, but you used to be somebody and now you're not. And, you know, the whole Earhart thing. I mean, who the hell would have thought of that? Nope. I didn't even figure that out until later. So, it's important to, to make sure that you don't give them too much value. Alright? This doesn't mean that you need to just write off everything you dream, especially if you get some notes from it. I'm not suggesting that at all. But I, what I am saying is, do not go overboard. It's like anything else that you derive from notes. If it's not ringing a bell... Okay, if it's not connecting to something that you think you can use, if it's not helping you answer maybe some kind of a narrative or writing question you had from before, you know, it might not be useful for anything at the moment. Maybe you need a few more dreams to put it together. Oh, maybe the stands in the notes and, you know, that's all you can do with it. Now, a lot of folks are not aware of this, but Salvador Dali, the great surrealist uh, painter from from Spain, he actually had some really interesting ideas about dreams, okay? And here's what he had to say, okay? Dreams are hand-painted dream photographs. That's what he called them, okay? One day it will be officially admitted that what we have christened reality is actually just a greater illusion than the world of dreams. Yeah, I know, he's a bit out there. But he literally... Did that uh, that imagery of the melting clocks called persistence of memory? That was really a dream of his. Yep, and I'm convinced if you mix some wine with some bad tacos, you you might have a similar dream. He just was able to actually paint it. <laughs> but um, a lot of people not aware of that. He likes to play Dolly with the idea of the concept of time. And when you're in a dream state, and that's really, if you think about it, that's really the, the, the ultimate definition of surrealism, is that world where you cannot tell the dream from the reality, so therefore you're in surreality, or surrealism, and that's why that, that painting makes uh, such an impact, even to this day, because otherwise... If you ever looked at that painting carefully, other than the melting friggin' clock, I mean, everything else seems normal in it. So, it's quite unusual that way. And he got all that from a dream. Now, don't get me wrong, he helped introduce a whole other uh, form of, of uh, art with surrealism in the 1930s, okay? He put it back on the map, I mean, boom. 
and he was considered by many to be a genius. And that there's not a lot of artists out there. I don't mean just painters. I mean everybody in general that even consider genius. There are plenty of of brilliant writers uh, that are not geniuses. Uh, he was considered one of them. And even him, just like all the rest of us, he's human. You know, he needed a dream to kick him off. So, maybe these are ideas he was having for a long time, and they eventually became a, something that was useful, that gelled in the dream, and then he was able to run with it. And boy, did he run with it. Set up his entire career and set the world on fire in a way. That, uh, that's just pretty incredible. And that's just from a dream. So yes, your dream can be a muse. And in many instances, that's not a bad thing at all. You just have to keep in mind that it has, like anything else you're dealing with, it has its place. Because remember, there's plenty of other things uh, that move us. To become creative or to to create art, to you know, to write or whatever, and that could be just the course of the day, or or, or illness, or, or maybe coming out of an illness, or you know, death of a, a family member or somebody that we really had admired. Um, they could just be the the daydreaming thing that people do, which is you know, they call it a daydream because you're not really dreaming, but maybe you really are. Maybe maybe we're prejudiced when we just say that there's a dream and then the daydream are not really the same because that you know the dream you're sleeping and your eyes are closed and the, the daydream your eyes are not. I don't know. Does it really matter if your eyes are physically closed if you're seeing something beyond what you're seeing in the present reality over here? You know, do we really need to call it you know daydream versus uh, you know night dream? I, I'm wondering if that's really necessary because I. I know plenty of people that have used daydream, you know, to to great effect in, in their creative pursuits. Uh, I'm told that both the inventor Tesla and the inventor Edison were very, very much involved in daydreaming. They did a whole lot of that. You know, I think he had an assistant walk in one time. Edison, they're like, "Sir, you're okay." He goes, "Yeah, I'm I'm busy daydreaming. I'll talk to you later." But probably thought he was nuts. But he took it that seriously that it was it was to him it was it was a part of the workday. Remember, this is the guy that succeeded only because he failed so much. So you probably need a lot of daydreams because you know failure can can be a, a negative. And remember, though, just like Edison, the inventor, failing so many times but still able to create lots of things, uh, writers are really no different. Because remember, every time we get a rejection, in a way to, to us that feels like a failure. Whether it's really a failure or not is a matter of opinion. But just on the surface, if you say, hey, I sent ten things out, I got six back, that's, you know, rejected. I'm not, I'm not feeling the numbers over here. Hey. I think on the general superficial way, there's nothing wrong with, with feeling that way. Only because you need some of that to help push you. I did an interview uh, not too long ago with uh, with Jack Henry, editor, and as a writer, he mentioned to me that was something that was that stuck with me. Is like uh, he took the rejections as ways that maybe uh, he could find something in the work that could possibly improve, then go send it out again. So that's how he uh, took the challenge. So 
you know, he uh, he took the failure, but he didn't, you know, he didn't live with it. He just said, okay, let me go look at something else. See what's going on there. Maybe I can do something different. It's not a bad way of going about things. It's not the way that everybody can go about things. So I wouldn't, I'm not going to suggest that with everybody, okay? In fact, uh, I remember when I, I first sent out Ariel, not my magazine, the poem, um, I had some rejections, people just scratching their head, but the magazine, they picked it up, they loved it. In fact, the editor said she had a good understanding of what it was all about. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm at the house going, well, I'm glad you did anyway. <laughs> I just only wrote it, sorry. So, it's, a, it's truly amazing what we can get from, from dreams. And, and one of the things I like about the concept of dreams is it does have a mysterious quality which means that you can have really wonderful philosophical conversations with people that are not really involved in religion or don't even believe in a spiritual world but they they do have some some attachment you know if not some curiosity about dreaming and and what it does to our mind and our body uh, what um it can do to our creativity now there's a lot of um I guess you could say um, urban legends about dreaming. Um, one person suggested that if you don't dream for a long time, you could possibly go insane. There's no scientific validity to that, okay? So that's one of those uh, crazy housewife tales, all right? But it is important. it is important to note that there are times... You know, where you can go into a drought of dreaming for a long time. Hmm, drought of dreaming. I kind of like that. Hmm. Anyway, uh, yeah, that, that can happen. And I'm not really sure what that's supposed to mean. There's some various uh, opinions and theories. I haven't really settled on any. I mean, I guess for my own sake, I looked at it as, well, I guess, you know, my mind or... My life at the moment doesn't have any pressing for me, so I'm going to go on and do what I'm doing. That's pretty much how I, uh, you know, handle that. Others think uh, other things. Others think that it could just be that it's going to take longer for you to put together something that's a lot more complex, and therefore it needs enough pieces in order to be able to formulate the imagery that will actually allow you to recognize it and Maybe learn something from it, or obviously write some notes down from it. So we got some people who believe that the uh, theory of accumulation, it could take a long time to build all this stuff up. My theory is, you know, the mind doesn't have anything to say to me at the moment, so I'm going to go do my own thing and figure it out, figure out something. You know, like I said, there's, there's, there's a few more thoughts than that even, but nobody really knows why you, you go on this drought of dreaming. Just like nobody even knows really why people start dreaming heavily i mean it's not a coincidence that if you're in some sort of emotional turmoil you know you got some kind of tragedy going on something serious going on in your life that you're going to probably dream more than not so i mean from that and there's no coincidence obviously that level of activity you know will definitely uh, cause uh, many people to start dreaming whether they can derive any kind of uh, you know conscious message or soothing uh you know a uh, song from it all i don't i don't know many times 
And this is why we have a problem when we try to use the dream itself as a muse. we got to also learn to try to stand apart from it with the notes and everything else because not every dream makes sense. Not every dream is good. And I don't even mean that this is a bad dream, you know, like a nightmare. It could just be that the dream is just nonsensical. What the hell was that? That's always possible, too. You ever doze off in the daytime? I don't mean a daydream. I just doze off for a nap. You know, sometimes I get the worst things coming out of that thing. I'm like, what in the heck was that? So, it was like the mind was just like losing it there for a second. So, not everything that's going to come out of there is going to have any any real worth to it. You know, and I don't mean just in the sense of uh, don't take this too seriously to get something creative out of it. What I mean is, is that not every dream is really going to be a message or, or, or linear or something that might make sense to you right away. It might not at all, you know, because dream comes in metaphors. Metaphors are really just a, a form of, a, of symbolism, so you don't really know. You know, um, right now, maybe never, just depends on what you can remember and, of course, what you can you can try to note and document. But dreaming is still a real active component in creative people. It's been since the beginning of time, and I don't be thinking it's going to be any different with the astronaut, in, you know, in the spaceship hibernating until he, he reaches Mars. He's going to be dreaming as well. I mean... Probably dreaming of a hamburger, because I don't know about you, but, you know, the only thing I don't like about Mars is that, you know, going to be uh, eating all this uh, this prefab dried food and everything. And, you know, everything everything tastes like a bad oatmeal cookie. So, yeah, you know, I'm probably not going to be much of an explorer, you know, with those kind of attitudes, but that's fine with me. You know, that's why I would never want to be an astronaut. The, the food sucks. This is not going to work out for me at all. <laughs> You know, I gotta have something here. But because the dream is still with us, we can still learn. We can still explore. We can still be glad that it, that something that old is still a part of us. You know, I think it's fair to say the dream, you know, is is part of the uh, of the human condition, if not the human experience, and therefore we might be able to do something positive with it and maybe we should try to do our best to do so i mean some of the greatest things you know in in the world you know have come from from dreams remember martin luther king jr in his speech i have a dream something that simple but when you hear what he had to say i'm like wow yeah i wouldn't mind going to that city myself where everybody treats each other with respect you know, we're all trying to work for a common cause. Yeah, I know. That's not America yet. <laughs> Maybe one day. We're, we're working on it um, slowly. But still, it could never happen without somebody saying, I dreamt that. I think it could happen. Okay? So, for every dream that's out there, you need a dreamer. Now, I've had shows before, and I don't mean to be flippant, and I, and I didn't then really, and I'm not now, but obviously, you want to keep even the dreaming, you know, to a certain to a certain extent. You don't want to be able to dream about everything, because you still got to do things to make these things happen then, otherwise they just, <laughs> they remain a dream. 
Will there remain a, you know, a note in your pad someplace, or a jiggle of words that you can't bring anything to? So it's real. It's real important that we don't overemphasize dreaming, and that we don't overvalue the dreams that come from it. We have to find some moderating force, some happy medium. Because I happen to think that dreaming really is important. And I think that in many people, especially folks that are suffering from some form of mental illnesses, uh, dreams for them can be, uh, can be terrifying if they don't realize what they might learn from them. So this way they don't feel that, you know, there's some kind of harbingers of evil or something, because they're not. You know, mental illness is a, is a disease. You know, it's not a, it's not a spiritual affliction. But still, if we try to remain positive about what we can get from it, it can become a useful muse. And maybe it's not always a muse just for writing, you know. I, I've had people tell me that they've improved relationships from the stuff they learned from a dream. We know inventors, we're already talking about that, got inventive ideas from a dream. Dolly got his whole melting clocks from a dream. And I tell people all the time, you can make fun of the Bible all you want, but it's good literature. There's a lot of important stories in there that we can use, especially a metaphor. And who's to say that Joseph's dreams were any, any more or less valid than any ones we have now? Maybe that really happened to him. Maybe just the dreams he had, he was just uh, you know, clever enough to convince the Pharaoh, listen, I had these dreams. If you do this, the kingdom's saved. If not, we're all screwed. I mean, because in the end, I don't, what was his real talent? Convincing the Pharaoh? Probably more than, than having a damn dream. So interpreting is not an easy thing, but when you can, you could use something for it. And that's what he did. And there's been others throughout history we've we've learned have used all of this. So let's, let's try to do that, uh, especially since we're, we're uh, in many ways, we're starting to face a, a world more and more now that that seems to have less of a grounding where it concerns things that are that are mysterious or even spiritual. Everything's becoming so polarized. You got people that don't even believe in anything anymore. If I don't see it, I don't believe in it. If I can't eat it, it's not there. You know, we can't get so cynical as human beings that we even eliminate dreams from our lives. I think that would be a dangerous precedent. Not because of that wives' tale about if you don't dream anymore, you're going to go insane. Just because that that's another creative element that will be out of our system. And if you realize anything about humanity, we can use as many as possible. Okay, We don't need any less. We need a whole bunch more. Because the creative things that add to our, our, our being one day, they're going to help other people who become leaders that maybe help us out of this mess. Because even leaders need dreams and, and, and creativity to help figure out what they can do to unify us and what they can do to you know, stop the madness so that we can all live a better and more fruitful life. Alright folks, that is my take on Dream as a Muse, episode 177. This is Strength to be Human. My name is uh, Mark Anthony Rossi. Uh, don't forget we got um, the Classic Spotlight coming up with uh, Boris Pasternak, uh, the author of Dr. Zhivago, much other things. 
pretty complex and interesting life. And then after that, uh, later in the weekend, we'll have the interview with uh, poet and editor Jack Henry. It's going to be exciting. All right, folks, until then, God bless. Take care, and thank you. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.